0: Thank you so much. I'm blessed. I am blessed. Thank you. (laughs) So, before I get into the word tonight, I just want to say to all the moms also, Happy Mother's Day. (sighs) The Lord has told us to honor our mothers and fathers, right? So, this is a very special weekend. It's Tomorrow is a very special day, and it's an important day, and so is Father's Day that we honor. And we do it as a culture. It's a beautiful thing. And um, <clears throat> I just wanted to share just a little bit on what Shane shared. You know, we were talking this week, Brian and I, and Shane had a meeting about several things, but one of them was the life amendment. And <clears throat> I said, I, I really feel like we need to push the, this week, you know, and really um, just bring a charge to the church. And we were, and somebody said, you know, are you sure Mother's Day is, is a good day to do it this weekend and everything? I said, yes, it's the right weekend to do it. That's what it's all about. And we as mothers need to, to value and honor life. That's what a mother does. And so it is a charge of a woman to to see life celebrated and to make sure that, that our culture embraces life. And it's also the charge of a man. I just want to read this, Proverbs 31, verse 8. Proverbs 31, verse 8 is, you know, most people hear Proverbs 31 is, you know, the Proverbs 31 woman, you know, and and, and all the ladies gather around it and have their Bible studies and everything. But ultimately, Proverbs 31 was for men. This was a, a woman, a mom, speaking this to her son. So Proverbs 31 is for men. And before it gets into the virtuous wife, it says this to the men, to the princes of God. It says, Open your mouth for the speechless. And the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth and judge righteously. And plead the cause of the poor and the needy. That's a man's job as well. And so we as a church body need to come together and rally together for life. You know, a few months ago we were praying when... Everything was breaking out at Asbury College, and revival was happening, and there was awakening happening there. And we had a night where we took some time and prayed for revival and prayed for what God was doing. And one of the things that the Lord showed me was that the last time that there was a, a young people's move of God in America was during was what everybody knows, the Jesus Movement. And that was started in the late 60s and and crested into the early 70s and continued throughout the 70s. But it crested right around the time of the early 70s, right around the time Roe v. Wade came into place. And that's when it started waning. And since then, there has not been a young people's move of God in America And and the Lord showed me, you know, isn't it interesting that less than a year after Roe v. Wade was turned, that God started moving on the young people again. I'm telling you, there's something to this. There's something to this. There's something to what we receive and what we reject, what we embrace in our culture concerning children and what is happening to our children. There's something to it. And, you know, I know some people talk about with abortion, you know, and Baal and, and those things that happened with Baal and how, you know, there was, there was the killing of babies with the worship and sacrifice of Baal. But I'll tell you, the enemy doesn't care. How it happens, all the enemy needs is for you or for a culture to agree with the enemy and to allow sin into that culture. And that was what releases what the enemy wants released. And that is what hinders what God is wanting to do, is is the agreement with the sin. And so we, as we have to contend, that's what we're called to do. Jesus said, occupy until I come. Right? That's our job. That's our job. We have to contend until he comes. So I just want to pray right now. I just want to pray for this amendment because, you know, some people might have great great faith and we can do this we got this you know and everything but for me it's you know sometimes it comes to a point where it's like oh my gosh how in the world are we going to do this you know how are we going to get 40,000 you know that's this many in a week and that's this you know and all of those things but but where man with man it's impossible with God all things are possible so Lord right now in the name of Jesus we are asking you to help us right now we are asking you to help us for this region, for Sarasota County, and even for Manatee County, Lord, and all the counties around us, Lord. We pray that you would help us to do our part and to collect these petitions, Lord, that this can get on the ballot at election day, Lord, and that, uh, that Florida will choose life in this next election and that that life will be celebrated and heralded and protected in the Florida Constitution in the name of Jesus. We thank you. You're helping us do it. We thank you for the Christians all across this state, Lord, that that are needing and are desiring, Lord, that you've laid on their hearts to do the same thing, to gather the petitions, Father, in every county that it's needed. Lord, we ask that you help us all rally to together do what we need to do father and that you would breathe on us ideas and creativity lord you would put us in front of the right people lord let the floodgates open father for for petitions signed in the name of jesus that it can go on this ballot lord we ask you for it now we ask you father for the life of the unborn we ask for life lord over this state, and over our nation. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you. So sign up in the back. We've got the sign-up sheet on the table. Please sign up. Just let, let us know. I'm going to be a part of this. I want to help out however I can. You know, however I can do it, and we'll we'll get the word out to you what we're doing, the different ideas, and the creativity that we've got, and you you can um, you can be a part. So, amen. I know I know it's heavy, but it's life and it's family, right? It's important. It's what it's all about. Yeah. All right. So. Okay. So tonight I want to share a little bit just about the Holy Spirit and mothers. I want to pray. I want to to share about both tonight. But one thing about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit will always show up where the home of God is and where the children of God are. That's where you'll find the Holy Spirit. If you're looking for the Holy Spirit, go to the house of God, and go find the children of God and you'll find the Holy Spirit there all right we know that the house of God in the Old Testament was the temple of God and ultimately in the Old Testament it was the Ark of the Covenant right that housed the very presence of God and and that of the Spirit of God it was the Ark of his presence and it and Israel had it, right? God created it. God told Israel how to create the Ark of the Covenant and, and what to do. And it was supposed to be with Israel. And God's presence was supposed to be with Israel. And they had it until they lost it, right? But they had it. And that was, that was how it was set apart from every single nation in the world was because they had the abiding presence of God with them. They had the, the ark of his presence. they had the kiss of God upon them because of it. And eventually David, King David when he was in his finally established as king right took him a long time that was a long journey for him but he was finally established in, in, as king all of Israel finally accepted him as king and he he built his wonderful palace in Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, he decided, Lord, here I am. I'm dwelling in this beautiful place, and I want to build you a beautiful place. I want to build you a home. And God said, well, I can't really be contained in one place, but thanks, (laughs) you know. And so he honored that David's heart, and he said, you're not going to build it, but I'm going to allow your son to build it. What did David do? He collected, he, he gathered, he storehoused all of these things so that when his son, when it was time for his son to rule and reign and build the temple, that David got everything ready. He did as much as he could, <laughs> as, much as as far as he could go to get that ready. And, and we know that when Solomon built the temple and, and they coronated it, you know, the ceremony, the presence of the Lord flooded in, and and again, it was the presence of the Lord. That's really who coronated it and established it. Not necessarily the people, it was God that came in and his presence came in and it was so strong that the priests weren't able to minister, but the presence of God was there amongst the people. And so God's spirit, again, God's spirit coming in to where the house of God is. And then in Zechariah 4, 6, the scripture many of us know, and we quote all the time, not by might. Not by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord, right? But by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. We all know that scripture very well, but, but do we know what God was talking about and what was going on surrounding that scripture? Well, it was, it was about the rebuilding of the temple when they, Israel had come back from captivity Jerusalem was demolished. The temple was demolished, and they rebuilt the temple first. And, and Zerubbabel was the governor in charge of rebuilding the temple. And that is the scripture, what, they were ta- what, what was being talked about was that through Zerubbabel, it wasn't going to be through might. It wasn't going to be through power. But it was going to be through the spirit of the Lord that the temple was would be re-established again. And so once again, we see the Spirit of God being the one, filling the temple of God, filling the house of God, filling, you know, building the temple of God, helping to rebuild the temple of God. But that is the working, one of the workings of the Holy Spirit, is that the Holy Spirit works in God's house, that is its place. And then in the children of God, the children of God, the mark of the Spirit of God is the mark of sonship. All right? And, and we know this. And first, it was established in the Messiah. The Messiah was what, who was prophesied about in the, all of the Old Testament about this person coming. And he was going to establish his kingdom, and everything was going to be great and grand, right? Right? And wonderful, again, for, for the people of Israel. And the word Messiah is the same word as Christ. Messiah is the word in the Hebrew. Christ is the word in the Greek. Greek, And what it means is anointed one. And so once again, this person was going to be coming. This is the only person in all the Old Testament that it was ever talked about as being the son of God. That was the only person in the Old Testament that was ever signified as the Son of God. And guess what was upon it? The the Son of God was going to be the anointed one. And so the Messiah, how people would know that the Messiah or the Christ was coming is because the anointing would be upon them. The anointing represents the Holy Spirit. In a person's life, and so in the Old Testament, you there were prophets, there were some kings, there were some priests that that had the anointing upon them. But but this was going to be a whole nother level of the anointing upon this person. And so, so the Messiah was the first in the Old Testament to be called the Son of God. I want to read a messy. This is a Messianic scripture about Jesus and Jesus read this when he was on the earth Isaiah 61 the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And Jesus read this in one of the synagogues one day. And he said, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. This was a a scripture in the Old Testament that spoke of the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. And Jesus was saying, Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's anointed me. Because... The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And Jesus was saying, here I am. Here I am. Then then we go to Jesus' baptism. This is Matthew 3, 16 and 17. It says this. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. Now, when it says he saw, it means John the Baptist saw. And in some translate or in some of the gospels, everybody saw it said the spirit of the Lord descending as a dove. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. And so again, the Son of God. How you would know who the Son of God was, was because the Spirit of God would be resting upon them, upon him. That's how they knew. And so here, here's a, a prophetic declaration for everybody to know this is the Messiah. Here we see the Spirit of God coming down upon the Messiah and it's saying, God saying, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I mean, it doesn't get any easier than that, right? <laughs> you know, to figure it out. The spirit of God, the anointed one, resting upon him. And, and God saying, this is my son, everybody. This is my son. And so, again, the spirit of God is the one who rests upon the Son of God, and also all of the children of God now in the New Testament. You know, in Acts, it talks about how how the followers of Jesus started being called Christians, right? Remember that? that? That word is actually in the gospel, Christian. And people started calling the followers of Jesus Christians, Now, when you break that word down, it means little Christ or little anointed ones. And so what you see is that people saw the followers of Jesus. When they looked at the followers of Jesus, what did they see? They saw the anointing just like they saw on Jesus on their lives. They saw the Holy Spirit resting upon them, and they called them Christians because of it. And that is how they knew those were followers of Christ. In John 4, 5 through 8, it says this, Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And so we see that once again, Where God's children are, there the Spirit of God is. It's the Spirit of God that actually we have to be born of the Spirit in order to be called sons and daughters of God. In order to be called to be the children of God, the Spirit of God has to be involved in it. We see throughout all of Scripture how the Spirit of God was always about birthing things. Even from the very beginning in Scripture, in the creation where it says, uh, the earth was formless and without vo- void, and with what happened, the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the waters of the deep, right? Because there was a birthing, there was a creation that was about ready to take place. And that's where, where the Spirit of the Lord always is. It's about birthing, it's about bringing life into the world and bringing forth creation, bringing forth f- forth fruit, and so here we are as children of God, as sons and daughters of God. We are being born of the Spirit, right? This is what Jesus was talking about in the Scripture. We needed to be born of the Spirit. I'm going to read Romans 8, 14 through 17. It says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery, That returns you to fear. But you received, what? The spirit of sonship by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified. With him. So here again, the Spirit of God, right? The Spirit of God resting upon that. We're being led by his Spirit. We, and it shows us, as we are being led by the Spirit of God, the Spirit shows us and confirms to us that we are children of God. And out of us cries that, that cry, Abba Father, right? It's a beautiful picture and a beautiful thing. And so we, as Christians, we are not only sons and daughters of God that has the Spirit of God in us, but we are also the temple of God, right? Which is another confirmation of God living and dwelling in us, the Spirit of God being upon us. It's like a double portion, right? We're the temple and we're sons and daughters. So 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that what? That the Spirit of God dwells in you. And so, so once again, where the house of God is and where the children of God are, there the Spirit of God is. That's the Spirit's function. That is the Spirit's working and moving. That is what the Spirit of God does. And here on Mother's Day weekend, we can see a wonderful correlation of of mothers, right? God created mothers to steward over the home, God created mothers to steward over the children. He designed us that way. It wasn't a cultural thing. You know, once upon a time. It's a biblical thing. Right? It's a biblical thing. So, how does the Holy Spirit rest upon your life? It's it's through obedience. You know, in the natural realm, None of you got to decide who your father was or who your mother was, right? You were born with who, who your parents were. But in the spirit realm, you get to choose who your father is. You get to choose. And it's a matter of who you are obedient to. When, when there's a whole bunch of little kids running around over here, and all of a sudden you hear a daddy say somebody's name, you know, or, or you just hear him give a command and that there's a certain child over there that all of a sudden hears his daddy's voice and he goes and he obeys the voice, right? Well, you know whose daddy that child is, right? Because of who they follow. And it's the same with us in the spirit realm. You know. You know that who your father is, whose family you're a part of, because of who you obey. So I would just want to read for just. Uh, I have a. I made a list here, of fifteen things that characteristics of the Holy Spirit. All right. And when I read through them, I want you to think about how many of these characteristics are characteristics that we know that mothers are. All right? So let's just look at the correlation here for a little bit. So think about this. The Holy Spirit brings forth new life and births things for God. Right? Mothers do that, don't they? They bring forth life. God created mothers to do that. The Holy Spirit helps us and teaches us and reminds us when we need reminded. That's John 14, 26. You have to, sometimes you got to remind kids, right? (laughs) Right? So the Holy Spirit does that to us too. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, He'll remind you of things that I've said to you. Number three. Number three is the Holy Spirit guides and leads us. We read a little bit about that, about how the Spirit of God leads us. We are led by the Spirit of God. He guides us and he leads us. Number four, the Holy Spirit shows us and prepares us for the future. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit was going to reveal to us what the things that are to come. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in this. But that's what moms do also, right? They prepare us for our future, they show us things that are coming. The Holy Spirit brings wisdom and understanding. The Holy Spirit commands us and gives us instructions to follow, just like a mom. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us, right? How many mamas out there and grandmas out there are, are interceding for the grandkids, right? And for, the, for their kids. You know, you always hear those testimonies, right? Of, of, you know, I was doing all of this. I was, you know, on this and doing that and doing that. But my mom was praying. Or I had a praying grandma, right? So I didn't have a chance, you know? <laughs> That's what they say. You've heard them. You've heard those testimonies. The Holy Spirit is the one who intercedes for us. But see how how the distinction of of what a mother does, the heart of a mother does also. The Holy Spirit comforts us, right? Now, a little child can, when it falls and hurts itself, they can run to a dad. But if the mom is around, (laughs) who are they going to run to? You know, usually it's the mom, right? Just the mom just knows how to give that comfort. The Holy Spirit does life with you. Just like a mom, right? She's there. She's cooking your food. She's changing the diaper. She's taking you for the walks in the stroller. You know, she's always, she does life with you. That's that's one of the ways that you learn from your mom is just by doing life with them, right? That's what the Holy Spirit does with us. The Holy Spirit is there to do life with you. The scripture that says, um, "May may the love of the Father and the grace of the Lord Jesus and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you, Right? The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does life with you. Number nine, the Holy Spirit gives power or empowers you, right? The Holy Spirit does that. Moms are supposed to do that. We're supposed to empower our children. Number ten, the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts, right? Now, I know that Christmas presents are from Mom and Dad, but (laughs) who goes and usually buys the gifts, (laughs) right? Who usually buys the gifts for the birthday party, right? It's usually Mom, I'm just saying. (laughs) The Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts. Number 11, the Holy Spirit helps in our weaknesses, right? Mom is there to help. your weakness when you're having a bad day. Mom will be there, right? Make chocolate chip cookies for you. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) I'm preaching now, (laughs) Brian. All right. (laughs) Yeah, Cody does make some good chocolate chips. (laughs) All right. Number 12. The Holy Spirit is responsible to bring good fruit from your life, right? That's the Holy Spirit's responsibility is to bring forth fruit from your life. Mamas are supposed to do that too, right? Moms do that. And whether we like it or not, you know, obviously dads do that too, but but whether we like it or not, we're talking about moms tonight, so... So, <laughs> whether we like it or not, no, <laughs> but we're, we're talking about moms with bringing forth fruit, but you know, it doesn't matter who your mom is, there are parts of you that, that you are who you are because of your mom, you know, that you've become who you become because of your mom, right? It's the same with your dad, but we're talking about moms, (laughs) but, but, but they bring forth fruit from your life, you know, and so, so the Holy Spirit's responsibility is to bring forth that good fruit, and a mom does the same. She brings forth that good fruit, just like that beautiful song that we were singing in the last one that Mary sang tonight, you know, I mean, that was so beautiful, and it reminded me just, you know, of the Holy Spirit, but. What I'm talking about tonight of the the love of a mother and a mother's nurturing a child, you know, and and making sure that she gets the right fruit out of her children's lives, Right? right? All right. Number 13, the Holy Spirit guarantees and confirms that you are part of the family of God and you have an inheritance in him. Scripture says that that's what the Holy Spirit does. It's a guarantee for us that we are children of God, and that we also have an inheritance. And when when you have a mom in your life, you have that guarantee too. You know, in a healthy family unit, you know, when there's a, a man and a woman involved, a dad and a father, you have that guarantee that you are, you are part of that family, that that's your dad, and that, that you are going to receive an inheritance from them. All right, for number 14, the Holy Spirit transforms us into the image and likeness of Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to, Say this, you know, it says it transforms us and conforms us into the image or likeness of Christ, right? There's that word, again, that we talked about earlier, Christ, anointed one, right? So once again, the Holy Spirit is transforming us into the image of having the fullness of the Spirit, like Jesus, like the Messiah, and also having the fullness of sonship in our lives. And what does that look like? Well, it looks like perfect obedience, right? Jesus as the son was, had perfect obedience. He, he was the perfect son, right? And it's okay because we're being conformed into his image, So it's okay to say that. It's not like, oh, he's always perfect. You know, no, that's not what it's like. (laughs) You know, oh, that's the perfect one. That's the perfect child. You know, (laughs) it's not like that, all right, in the kingdom, all right. It's we are being conformed into that perfect sonship in God. And we are being conformed into the fullness of the spirit like Jesus walked in. Isn't that awesome? That's what the Holy Spirit is doing in every single one of your lives. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And let me find it. But there's a scripture I want to read. Oh, 2 Corinthians 10.6, it says this. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once Your obedience is complete. Amen? Amen. That's that's what God, the Holy Spirit's doing. One day, every act of disobedience is going to be punished, but it's not until our obedience is complete. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? It's because of what Jesus did for us. Hallelujah. Number 15. The Holy Spirit is the glue that bonds us together. Ephesians 4, 3 says, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. All right, so the Holy Spirit is what bonds us together in a beautiful unity and in oneness. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. And, and isn't that kind of what moms do? You know, they're, they're the glue that sticks everybody together and... That gets the kids working together, you know, and that gets them in peace and in unity with one another. Isn't that what the mamas do? It helps us with that. Moms are the glue, and the Holy Spirit is the glue that bonds us together in perfect, perfect unity by the bond of the Spirit, by the bond of peace. So, so I want to go just a little bit, Because we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and we're talking about moms. Because because there is one God we know. There is one God. But there are different distinctions of God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God created family to look like himself. You know, in Scripture, in Genesis, it says in the image of God he created them male and female he created them and and so there's there's an with the family with the family unit there's there's a there's a, a likeness unto God within family and God created it that way so that we could understand God better so that we could have a picture of what God was like and we could understand him better and we could understand What we were, what we are coming into, and what we have come into, and so we have this beautiful picture of of God the Father, God the Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, oftentimes, like these characteristics that I just shared with you, oftentimes is a lot like a mother, just like God the Father you know we we have a natural father and so it helps us understand God the father hopefully better you know if it was a good father and and a godly father and and just like jesus being our older brother it helps us we we have family units that have siblings among us and if we have good siblings <laughs> and loving siblings and siblings that are gracious, then, then we learn wonderful things about who Jesus is to us. Same with the Holy Spirit. And, and, God, and even in with he, inner healing and uh, ministry that happens in people's hearts and lives, there is that connection. If you struggle with your earthly father, sometimes you have a hard time connecting with God as your heavenly father. If you struggle with your connection among siblings or cousins, sometimes you have a hard time connecting with Jesus. If you struggled with your relationship with your mom, sometimes you have a hard time connecting to the Holy Spirit. And so these are tools that we can use and that people use within inner healing in order for us to get freedom and in order for us to connect more with the Lord and how he wants us to connect with him. So I just want to go to Proverbs 31 for a minute. And again, like I said, in Proverbs 31, this isn't old-fashioned. This isn't a cultural thing. This is a biblical thing, all right? It's a biblical thing that just as we see the Holy Spirit working within the house of God, working within the children of God, that's, how, that's what mothers are supposed to be doing. They're supposed to be stewarding over their houses. They're supposed to be stewarding over the children. Proverbs thirty-one twenty-seven says this about, about her. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Right? So... So that's what the Holy Spirit does. Watches over us, right? The Holy Spirit's the one that's with us now, watching over us, stewarding over us. That is the role of a mother. Now, let me read another one. Verse 11 it says, The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. The, the relationship of a family in a biblical way, in a godly way, the way God created it, this is what it's supposed to look like. And the woman is supposed to add value to her husband. And the husband can safely trust her that, so that he will have no lack of gain in any area of, her, of his life and especially in the area that she is to steward over for them as a family. And so, so we see this in Scripture, and we see that this is the model of God. Now, when we read Proverbs, it doesn't say that, that she, she does other things as well, right? It doesn't mean that she has to do all the work. She had servants. Hallelujah, woman, right? (laughs) She had people helping her, right? Woo, raise your hand, receive that for yourself (laughs) right now. (laughs) You know, so it doesn't mean that the woman has to be, you know, doing every single meal. i got to do all the chores, you know. This woman, Proverbs 31 woman, had people in her life that were working for her as well praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm just soaking that in. <laughs> so, so that's a good thing, but it also doesn't mean that she's out and about gallivanting around, right? She's, she, does, she does business, right? She buys a field and plants a vineyard she does these different things. She, she makes clothes, and first it's for her own family, but then she says, she realizes, this is really good stuff. I'm going to sell it to other people as well. you know. But everything she does is for the benefit of her family, to help grow and prosper her family in a greater way, to enrich their lives in a greater way. But her first priority is always the stewardship of the home and of the children. And it's important that that doesn't get out of balance by her doing too many other things, you know, because that is the first priority. It doesn't mean it's the only priority, but it's the first. And so, so we see this in Scripture for, for women and, and what it's supposed to look like. And ultimately, I believe that, that this scripture really can be prophetically what, what the Holy Spirit and what the Lord wants for the bridegroom and what, what the Lord is looking for for the bride of Christ to be. And guess what? The bride of Christ isn't going to have its own vision. Running out, doing everything else. The bride of Christ is going to have the vision of the Lord, of her bridegroom, and they're going to work together in fulfilling that. And she's going to bring fruit and abundance to her bridegroom. That's first and foremost, the importance of the bride. And so we see this in Scripture, but, but I just want to say a couple things. You know, earlier I said that Once again, Proverbs 31 really is written for men. It's written to a man, for a man. And it was from the mother who had a desire for her son and what she knew would be best and what she believed would be best for her son to have, the type of woman that that he would have and what that man should look for in a woman. And so... One thing I do want to point out in this is that that the let me say this: though the woman brought income in and brought brought forth increase into the home from outside of the home, it was the overflow. It wasn't it wasn't necessarily the provision. All right? And so what I, what I want to say is that I want to encourage you men to walk by faith. And don't trust your wife to help you be the provider because she has a different role. The man is supposed to be called to be the provider. That's one of the roles of the father, right? Our heavenly father provides for us, right? So we don't trust our wife to be the helpmate that helps us provide for the family, but we let her do her job and we trust and co-labor with the Lord to provide for your family. And we let then, and then the wife has the opportunity and the freedom to then go and bring forth increase and overflow and fullness of life within the home and within, within the children's lives of who's being raised up. Because, because so many times in our culture, you know, we hear riches and we think finances. But in scripture, riches go so far beyond finances. A rich and full life is, is what the home is like. A rich and full life is, is the relationship that you have with your children and what, what your children are like and, and the relationships that are cultivated in that. You know, obviously a rich and full life is the fruit from within your own life, the peace, the joy you have, the strength you have. Is there strife in the home or is there peace in the home? There's all of these things that, that really add up to what riches are. And so when we just focus on finances, we miss out on so much more of what God's vision is for our lives. All right, And so, so I just want to encourage the men to just expand your minds and dream with God. And be confident and know that you are a prince of God. And if you're called to provide, then sometimes it is a journey. But that God will give you the way and he'll help you learn how to provide for your family. And, and then as you do that and as you grow into that, then, then other areas of your life will begin to flourish and prosper. Because your helpmate can tend to those things instead of tending to the same thing that you're trying to con- contend with and tend over. Does that make sense? I'm just trying to stretch your mind and imagination. There's no condemnation here. You know, we've all been born into a culture of doing things a certain way. And we've got to come out of that system and culture and come back to a biblical perspective. And so we're all on that journey, right? All of us are. But we have to know God's biblical perspective in order to get there, and we have to talk about it in order to get there, so we're talking about it tonight, so you're welcome, <laughs> so, so men, if you want there to be joy and peace and love and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness, faithfulness, self-control in your home, let your godly wife steward your home. If you want order and peace in your home, give your wife the freedom to bring it into your home. If you want godly children and rich relationships with your kids for decades to come, let your wife foster that. Amen? Amen. So, So, you know, again, it's just it's, God is wanting to shift us. We, we pray on earth as it is in heaven, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But, but we have to, men, you can dream. Just as God dreams, you can dream and say, with God, you can dream with God and say, what, what does my life look like? And, and Lord, help me get there. What does my life look like in you? What does my home look like in you? What does the fullness of my life look like? Not just a job, not just one thing or one aspect of your life, but the fullness of your life. And your wife is there to help you make that happen. That's what your wife is there for. And so I encourage you as as husbands and wives to talk about that. Talk about that with one another. Women, ask your husband, what does that look like? What does a full life look like for you? What does the home look like that, you know, that you see and you envision? And what would that ideal place be? We need to talk about these things and, and, and dream with the Lord about it. Now, there's two important notes when it comes to Proverbs. Number one, the Proverbs 31 woman was a woman of excellence. She was a woman of valor. That word valor, a virtue, some some translations say virtuous woman, but that word valor, it means in the sense of all forms of excellence. And it also is a military f- word. It's 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 stellar. I mean it's it's tough, you know, it's 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 a woman but but this woman has excellence upon her life. And so we as women, we need to grow into that. That is what the Lord is desiring us to be as women of excellence, women of valor, men, women of virtue for our husbands so that, so that we can steward our homes and our children with excellence. And that just as verse 11 says, he, so that... The heart of her husband safely trusts her so he will have no lack of gain. That means he'll have no lack of gain in the children. He'll have no lack of gain in the atmosphere and in the presence of the home and in the order of the home. And, you know, you can go down the list, but, but that's the type of woman that you need for this to work. But also, it talks about the man also in Proverbs and the type of man that this man was. And obviously we know that this was a, this was a prince. You know, many people think that um, King, this Prince Lemuel was, um, was actually King Solomon. Many people believe that. But no matter who it was, he was a prince. He was, he was rich. His father was rich you know, and, and he, it said that he sat in the gates. Now, those who sit in the gates have authority in the city. They, they, they make decisions. They, they decide who comes into that city, who's allowed into that city, who's not allowed into that city. And so this prince has authority not only in his home, but he has authority in the surroundings around him, and that's his job. He's, he's the one going out, you know, taking care of, of not only his own home, but, but the community around him. That's the type of man this, this man is. That's the type of man he's supposed to be. But he's a prince, all right? And it doesn't matter who your natural father was, how, many, how much finances he had or anything. When you are in Christ, you are a prince of God, men. You are a prince of God, and and you need to see yourself like that, and you need to to believe who you are in God and begin to operate and function in it. That's the type of man that the the Proverbs 31 talks about. And so you need the man and the woman working together in order to accomplish what's accomplished in this scripture. Amen? Amen? All right. Just bringing some training here and some teaching, just from perspective from the Word of God, just into our lives, so that we have greater understanding. So now I'm going to go a little. I'm going to go a little further, and to talk about this when it comes to our children. Romans eight fifteen says, "For you did not receive." a spirit of slavery that returns you to fear, but you receive the spirit of sonship by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You did not receive a spirit of slavery. You didn't receive a spirit of slavery. As a son and a daughter of God, you are now royal Your Father is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and you are no longer a slave, and you need to stop acting like a slave. We all need to stop acting like slaves. We all need to stop acting like orphans, and we need to be renewed in our minds to who we are. And so, amen. And so the only time, the only time in Scripture, we're going to go to the children now. we got to go to the children. And we got to go to the children within our families. The only time in Scripture that God's people were ever trained by godless culture and education is when they were in slavery. That's the only time. They were ever trained by godless culture. And godless people was when they were in slavery. You look at Moses. First, there was Moses. Israel was in slavery when Moses was born. And his children, or his parents, had faith. They made it to Hebrews 11, the great hall of faith. That's what we call that chapter, right? The great hall of faith. They made it there because of what they did with their son, Moses. They said that he was a unique, they saw that he was a unique child, and so they hid him away, right? For a season, as long as they could, they hid him away. They did that by faith. Now, when I think about that and when I see that scripture, I think, doesn't every parent think their child is (laughs) beautiful and unique, right? You know? But what did they do? They put faith with it. They put their faith with what they saw on their child. And it made all the difference. It saved his life, you know? But then also, as they stepped out and walked out in faith, God made a way. For them to be able to still be a part of their son's life even though the daughter of Pharaoh adopted them. You know, God made a way for them to be able to be a part of their life. And, and they were able to instill things in Moses still. Now, you know, he did eventually. He was raised in Pharaoh's house and all of those things. And, and that probably taught him certain things that he needed to be the leader over Israel, you know, he wasn't raised. He, he didn't, probably didn't have a, a slavery mentality because of it. You know, I'm sure he learned a lot of skills that he used and needed to lead a nation. But, but the point was that his parents stepped out in faith. And, and because of it, Moses was blessed. And somehow he knew his destiny. Somehow his parents were able to relay that, what his destiny was to him. And then there was, there was Daniel, right? There was Daniel. Now, many people say, well, Daniel was raised. They, they use Daniel. They use Daniel, and they say, well, Daniel was raised, you know, by Babylon, Babylonians, and he turned out good. Well, let's look at that just a little bit deeper. Daniel chapter 1. Verse 2 through 4, it says, And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands, meaning Nebuchadnezzar's, with some of the articles of the houses of God, which he carried into the land of Sinai to the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature. Of the Chaldeans, and so we see here. This is Daniel. This is how he got to Babylon. Now, in this scripture, it says they were young men. They were young men. So, a lot of Daniel's training he had already got in Israel. He was either he could have been he could have been a prince, or he could have been a noble son. But he had very high education and training in Israel before he ever got to Babylon. He had very good education. And that is where you see how where he got his training and he learned about God. And he learned about who God was and who he was going to be and who he was not going to be. And what he was going to do and what he was not going to do. He had already got that in Israel. All right? And so here he is. Now, the only thing that they're going to teach him, it says, is the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. He already had knowledge. He already had wisdom. He could already step right into and serve in the king's palace. He just needed to learn the language and the literature to kind of fit into their culture. So, so with Daniel, who he was, you know, God used him mightily. He, he stood up you know, like we want all of our kids to, to be strong and bold and to stand up against culture and to stand up against those who try to put false things upon us and try to get us to serve false gods and false things and sin against God. And, and Daniel stood strong, but it was because of the education that he got when he was still in Israel. And so, so the only time... That you would ever see a God-fearing Israelite put their children in under a godless education system would be if they were in slavery. There is no way a God-fearing Israelite would put their children under the influence of ungodlessness. Never. Never. And here we are in America. And I know that, you know, it's like the, um, the boiling pot, you know. I mean, our education system in America used to be Christian. It used to teach the Bible and God's word. And it used to to teach and and instill in the kids the values, the biblical values, but little by little, slowly by slowly, you know, and that's just the way that the enemy tries to do it, right? Is is do it little by little and slowly by slowly. And you get mad about something, but you keep going, you know, and, and you get mad just enough. Uh, but, but they'll keep going, you know, and stay in the same system to where we are at, where we are at with our education system. And our standard, and I know I've talked about this before, Proverbs. Proverbs 22.6. Train of a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it, right? Train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it, all right? That is a principle, okay? Proverbs, that's from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is full of principles. It's it's Solomon. Most of the writing was from King Solomon. And so it's like, if you do things this way, This is how things are going to turn out for you. You know, it's going to go good for you. Now, sometimes principles, there are anomalies to it. There are strange cases where it doesn't happen that way, right? In a principle. But that is the anomaly. Majority of the time, if you do something, this is how it's going to work out for you. And so this proverb Train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they're not going to depart from it. All right? But in our culture, our children are being lost. Our children are not, when they are old, they're not, you know, they're departing from it. Our children are departing from the way. And so because of that, there's something wrong with our system. The, the definition, one of the definitions of insanity, right, is to keep doing the same thing and, accept, and expect different results, right? That's what we're doing right now. We have so many people, and, and, and I'm with you, and I'm agreeing with you, and I'm praying for your kids to come to the Lord. But there has to come a point in the church where we say, This is not working, this is not acceptable anymore, and we're not doing it because we're not bearing the fruit that we're supposed to out of our kids, and it's not. Our children are being led astray because of their education, because of the system, because of the culture that we're putting them in. The majority, the majority of our kids are being led astray and are not serving God anymore. And so something's wrong. And we say, yes, but we took them to church. But we trained them. We, we taught them at home. But it's not enough. This word in the scripture, train, is, is not just tell them what to do. It's deep, intense Training. And if the training that we've been doing isn't working, then we have to go deeper in our training with our children in order to get the results that we want. We have to. You know, when I and our standard shouldn't be can they be trained in that system and still follow God? That's not that's not the standard. That's not the standard. The standard is how much of God and his ways can we get in them before they are adults. That's what we need. That's the standard. We are supposed to be raising up champions like Daniel was. We're supposed to be raising up God-fearing champions. We're sp- that's what we're supposed to be raising up, is the champions, those who are going to go out in culture and change culture, all right? Now, I was, I was raised in the public school system, and guess what? I, I never backslid, but I'm an anomaly. I'm the rarity, unfortunately. I, had f- I have four siblings. There were five of us. I was the only one that didn't backslide. And you know what, even though I didn't backslide, there were things that I had to unlearn from being in a public school system. And one of those things was conformity. One of those things was conformity. And so how much more further would I have been if I wasn't raised in a public school coming out of becoming an adult? You know, how much, you know, I mean we got to think about these things. How much more can we be giving our kids? How much greater training can we be giving our kids? In a Christian, God-fearing education. I I wasn't, you know, I was I was in a public school, but we we chose to homeschool our kids. And you know, it wasn't always easy. <laughs> there was sacrifice involved, right? There was sacrifice. We had to, in in our vision of what Brian and I, what our vision of our home and our life and what we were wanting it to become and, and grow into, we had to sacrifice certain parts of the vision in order to work on that part of the vision. We had to, you know... We're going to hold off on that, you know, because this is what's important right now. This is what's most important. This is the priority. And there was sacrifice. There was sacrifice involved. And, but we never allowed money to dictate what was right to us. We never allowed money to keep us from what was right. And we wanted our kids to be. We wanted our kids, again, we wanted them to, to get as much of God in them as possible. <laughs> That's what we wanted. We wanted them to get as much of God as we could in them before, before they became adults, before they were out on their own. That was our heart. So just seeing where the Lord wants me to take, take us here. But I just want to encourage everyone that that you can do it, you know. Just like just like Moses' parents did, they stepped out in faith. They did something different, and they believed God. and And sometimes it takes, you know, it, it doesn't just switch. Sometimes you it takes you a, a while to get there, you know. But but do you have that vision for your kids? Do you have that desire for your kids that? That you want them to be raised in in the most godly home, in the most godly situation for them that you can. Because the foundation of the word of God, the, the foundation of education according to scripture is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God is the foundation of education according to God biblically. And so if it doesn't have that foundation, what are you building your child's education on? It has to be by the word of God. It has to be the foundation of what God says it is. In this this house, our mission statement is revival, awakening, and reformation. It's not just revival and awakening. It's revival, awakening, and reformation. And so God's not only called us to revival and awakening, he's called us to be reformers. He's called us to transform culture. He's called us to come out of the systems of this world and to bring a better, more biblical way of doing things. That's what he's called this church to. And many of you know my story about, about just the education system. Some of you know it. Some of you know that I've been to the um, public school board meetings, and I've spoke at them about what's going on in the schools and that. And my kids aren't in there, but I'm there. I've gone. Brian's gone. And and we've spoke. And one of the main things that I heard when the Lord really laid this upon my heart, is just like in the time of Moses, when God was wanting to bring the children of Israel out of slavery. And the cry was, Moses was supposed to go and say what? Let my people go. Right? But that, that's not the end of the sentence. That's what a lot of people know. Let my people go. But the rest of that sentence is, let my people go, that they may come and worship me. And that's what I heard for the children, the children of God, that God was saying, let my children go, that they may come and worship me. That they may come and worship me. That's what he's wanting us to do, and we can't, they can't do it in that system, and yes, I know, I know that, I know that they can do it at home, I know that you can bring them to church and do it, but if you want the best education for your child, if you want the full education for your child, there has to be a shift and a transformation and and again there's no condemnation in this we're all we're all growing into into the fullness of God. we're all growing into what God has for us as as individuals, as couples, as families, as a church body and as a culture and as a community of people we're, we're stepping into it. And we're walking it out. And, and sometimes it takes some time to figure it out, doesn't it? Sometimes it takes some time. We know what truth is, but it doesn't look like it in our life. And so how do we get there, right? How do we get there? Well, the Holy Spirit is here to help you with that. The Holy Spirit is here to lead you into that and to show you how to get there. For you and for your kids and for your life. He wants to. He cares for you. He loves you. And so I'm, I'm going to wrap up here. But I want to read John 16, verse 5 through 7. And it says this, Jesus said, But now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do go away, the helper, if, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And so here we are. This is, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. And he said he's going away, and they were sad, and he said, this is good. And the reason why it's good is because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And he uses the word helper. It's to your advantage that I go away. The helper will come to you. And I think it's interesting that the Lord used the word helper. Because in the garden, when Adam was alone, he said what to Adam? He said, I'm going to give you a helpmate. Again, it's a picture of of how the Holy Spirit is and how we as women and mothers are. But he's going to give a helper. He's going to give a helper to us. And and those things that I read about the Holy Spirit, that's that's who Jesus thought was a really good idea to send us. That's who the Heavenly Father thought was a really good idea to send to you, to be with you to nurture you, to never leave you or forsake you, to guide you into all truth, to comfort you when you needed comforted, to help you in your weaknesses, to enlighten you, to give you wisdom, to give you joy. That's who it was. And so now, so now in Christ, you have a perfect heavenly father You have a perfect sibling (laughs) that's full of grace towards you. (laughs) Praise the Lord, right? Siblings need that. It's full of grace towards you. And you have a Holy Spirit that's the perfect mother in your life. That's who you have on your side and in your family and on your side of the court. That's who you have. You have the perfect family. You have everything you need. You have everything you need. And the Lord can go deeper in your life than any hurt or wound that a natural father or mother or sibling or anyone has gone. God can go deeper in your life. Than anyone else. I asked the Lord one time, Lord, why why did you cause the wounds to be so deep, especially with family? You know, Brian and I hear so many stories of people and what they've been through. And I'm like, Lord, why did you allow just the, the hurt to go so deep in a person's life for it to be so so deep? Impacting in a person's life of what a father or a mother or a sibling or somebody did to them and God said it, it never goes as deep as, as I can go in a person's life and that is to show you how deep a heavenly father can go into your life and transform and change you yes. yeah. amen that's how deep that's how deep the Lord can go. So you're never alone. He'll never leave you or forsake you. And Cody, will you come? And we're going to transition here in just a minute. But tonight, I really feel like that's where we're going. You need to understand, and you need to to have an awareness and an understanding of who God is to you, of you being in the family of God. And once again, you have a perfect father. You have a perfect father that will give you the identity in a perfect way, that will provide for you in a perfect way, where you will have no lack that's what you have you have a heavenly father that will give you everything you need you have a brother that's full of grace for you that'll stick up for you that'll come and save you when you need saved from the bullies in your life from the enemies in your life you have a brother that'll come and be there for you. You have a mother that's gonna nurture you and give you everything you need in order for you to be who he's called you to be, in order for you to be the man and the woman of God, that you can truly be in him, fullness of life, with fullness of life. That's who you have. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Father. Lord, tonight worship was so grand and so amazing. And we were singing about you, who you were in the Godhead. We were singing about you, Father, how amazing and glorious you are. We were singing about you, Jesus, and all you did. You pouring out your your blood for us, saving us. We were talking about you, Holy Spirit, about your freedom, where the spirit of the Lord is. There's freedom and there's fullness of life. We thank you, God, for who you are. Tonight, I thank you that you're drawing every single one of us into a greater reality of who you are to us, of who you are for us. I thank you, Lord, that you're healing abandonment in our lives. Thank you you're healing an orphan mentality in our lives, Lord. I thank you you're healing us of any abuse that we've experienced. I thank you you're healing us from the lack of being nurtured. that's done away with it's no more because we have the Holy Spirit here with us that is the perfect nurturer we have with us the Lord who never leaves us who never abandons us we know that we are sons and daughters of God We are no longer orphans any longer And we will no longer be abused And treated wrongly By you, oh God We know Thank you, Lord, that you're healing Loneliness in our lives Because of the loneliness we experienced, Lord Even when we were surrounded by a family Or maybe they weren't there Thank you, Lord, that we are never alone any longer. Thank you, you're healing rejection. Thank you, you're healing us from apathy of family members, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you tonight that you're going to fill some with your Holy Spirit. You're going to pour out your spirit tonight on people. I thank you, God. You're going to shower them with your love and with a fullness that they've never known before. Thank you, Jesus, because that's what you do. And you're going to confirm to them who they are. They're your son and your daughter. You're going to love them. You're going to cherish them never be the same in jesus name thank you lord thank you jesus
1: closing moments of tonight before we open the altars and I think it's just most important as Bren first of all this was a phenomenal word just a phenomenal but where Bren began tonight and I won't belabor the point because this this is so vitally important As children of God, you have to become a child of God. You have to become a child of God. And Brent and I, in this church, we would implore you that if you would confess the Lord Jesus Christ with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, that Scripture says, the Bible says, you shall be saved. And it's with the heart that one believes unto righteousness. It's with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Tonight, if there would be anyone in this sanctuary, that you have never given your life to Jesus Christ to make Him Lord, to make Him Savior, to become a son or a daughter of the King of Kings. Tonight is your night. I implore you, tonight is your night. And God so, so loves you. Tonight is the night to become a son of God, a daughter of God. Tonight is the night to become a son and a daughter of the living God. And if you're here this night, and if that's you, you would say, Bren, Brian, tonight is that night. I want to give my life to the Lord Jesus. I want you to just lift your hand. Wave it at us so that we can see where you're at, so that we can pray with you. We will not embarrass you in any way, but if that is you, just lift your hand. Raise your hand tonight. We want to give you that opportunity to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I see that hand right there. I see that hand right there. Come on, let's give praise to God. (laughs) Philip, if you would bring Trayvon down, we're going to pray with him. Shane, I want you to come. Glenn, I want you to come. Mark, I want you to come. Come on, let's give God praise for this. Why don't you stretch your hands towards him right now? Would you do that? Just stretch your hands towards Trayvon. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. What a night. What a night. In the next few moments, what we're going to do is we're going to open up the altars for you to come and seek the Lord, spend quality time just continuing to pray. Lord, we just thank you tonight that a soul is being born again in this house. Oh. This is so, so holy, so special what's happening right now. Tonight we want to open up the altars for you to come, encounter the Lord, encounter the Holy Spirit. Lord, as we open this altar tonight, just pray that you would encounter the sons and daughters of the living God in this house. And Lord, may this week be a supernatural week of victory and triumph in Jesus' holy name. We bless you, victory. In the name of the Lord, amen and amen. Amen. Go ahead.
0: Amen. And we just want to encourage you that all the the moms, we have flowers in the back. If you want it on your way out, the flowers are right in front of you. You can pick up a flower to take home. God bless you. We love you. You're so special and important. Have a wonderful night.